Hello and welcome to a brand new season of More. Join me and my guests as we read the second book in the Hunger Games series, Catching Fire. I'm super excited and I can't wait to read some more of the series. So let's get started, shall we? Hello, 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 and welcome back to more. It's been a while, I know. <laughs> I kind of dropped the ball, but it's okay. You know, school's back in session. I'm a little busier now, but I am going to try and finish reading Catching Fire. Then I may switch book series after just so that Colleen can get off. Well, just so that Colleen won't, you know, sue me or something. Anyway, um... I'm back, you know, summer was fun, I had a ton of fun, I went to Mexico, Mexico was a lot of fun, you know, it was amazing, I also started school up again, I want to sleep every day, I'm so tired, I had a ton of early classes today, and I don't know how I did it, but I made it through my classes, and it's almost Friday, I don't know when this is going to go up, right now I'm just trying to fix something with my podcast right now so we'll see when this goes up but if it's not up on friday then happy tuesday wednesday thursday saturday sunday monday you know happy every other day and also happy friday too if it is friday when this comes up um but yeah it's been it's been a long summer we did a time we finished the whole season on our second season which i've been neglecting i'm sorry i'm trying my best but we're gonna get back into it i'm super excited to do it um, yeah, so I guess the plan is to read some more. I don't even remember where we left off. I think we left off on page 76. Shout out to Bookmarks. And we're going to try and finish this book. Ah, there's like 400 pages and this is not big print, so it's small print. So we're going to see how this goes. Um, since, you know, it's been a while. Maybe I'll like do an extra 15 minutes at the end. You know, a cool little 45 minute uh thing today. We're gonna try that out. We're gonna see how that works. I have no idea. Also, I got a new microphone. I got it for my birthday, and my dad gave it to me. Super excited. Love you, dad. Gave me this cool microphone. It has a little um, I don't know what it's called, like the mesh thing in front of the face of it. So there's a mesh thing now, so I feel really professional, super cool, and everything. And it's like the best, the best, the best, the best. So I had to play around with it a little bit because it wasn't working at first, but now it's working, and I'm super excited. Um, as for schedule going forward, I, I really have no idea. I think it's whenever I'll have time to record, to sit down and just like, just speak to me and be like, hey, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know what schedule is going to be like for this. I just assume it'll, you know, I'll, I'll make it work somehow. We'll make it work. But for now, we are going to get into it. Well, maybe not. I might just ramble a bit more, but... Yes, new microphone, not a new setup. I'm, well, I guess a new setup. I'm now in my room instead of being outside because it's going to be getting colder soon. And it's been a lot windier. This microphone would have been great for wearing windy episodes because it has like the little, um, the, the foam top thing as well. So it has the foam top thing. It has a little mask, the mesh thing in front. Then it also has this really cute little stand that I got. So my dad got it for me again. But, you know, super cool. I'm ready my microphone. But yes. So the plan is, not for today, but for the podcast in the future, I think the plan is going to be that we're going to try and finish Catching Fire, and then once we finish Catching Fire, I intend to start the selection. So if you haven't read the selection, you're in for a treat. This is what I read when I was like, oh my gosh, 
just when I was in elementary or whatever. And it was so revolutionary. Like, if you've not read the selection, maybe, I don't know, wait, you can wait for me to finish Hunger Games. I mean, Catching Choir, and then we can read it together. Or you can read it ahead of time. And then you can just tell me what you thought of the selection, because I loved it. And it goes, like, the selection, the elite, the one. And then there's, like, a spinoff on, like, the main character's uh, daughter. I don't think this is a spoiler. This isn't a spoiler. I just spin off, like, on the, you know, it continues, like, the story, the same world, and it's called, like, The Heir and the Crown. So there's, like, five, well, I guess there's, like, six books in the whole series. They have, like, Happy Ever After, which is, like, side threads about the other characters that, like, weren't really touched on about and whatever, but, you know, the selection is really good. Maybe I'll even change the picture, too. Well, I, I, I intend to change the picture because I think it'll be, you know, it'll be fun. Um, Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> when we get to the plan, uh, we'll see. We will see. But I've rambled enough for now. Let's get into it. We are on page 76, regular print edition. I think 76. You know, we're going to start from the top. Or, or was that the bottom? I don't even remember where I left off. Um, we'll just start after... See, okay. Also, we'll do a quick little, um, a quick little, what's it called? Um, what's the word? It's, it's lost. A repeat? No. A refresher, a refresher. A quick little refresher of what happened so far. So I'm pretty sure from what I remember so far, Katniss came home from the Hunger Games and then like the president's like, hey girly, like you, you and your, your, your boyfriend Pita, Pita over there, Y'all gotta act like you're mad in love, or everyone you know and love in District 12 are gonna get it. Because you're gonna start a, or you're gonna start a revolt, girly. You're the girl on fire. You started a spark. Da 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 da. He's drinking blood. I'm pretty sure he's a vampire. I feel like he's a vampire. Whatever. But. <laughs> and then she's like, okay, bet. Like, me and Peter gotta go. They go to District 11. And then that's where Rue was. And then she's like, Panam today, Panam tomorrow, Panam forever. But like, not really like that. She just said some words and guys goes, I wouldn't expect one picks up like, oh, was it? Let me try. I don't think it picks it up. Anyway, I whistled. That's the false with I whistled. Um, and then after that, they, like, their riot started out building, uh, not building 11, uh, District 11. And then they had to go up there and she told, Hey, she already told hey she told Hamish already. She has to tell Peta, and Peta was like, "You never tell me anything." I think, yeah. Does he? Hold on. Yeah. So he's like, "Let me help you out. Let me help you out." And whatever. So they keep going through all of it, and then they get to the end, and then they try to do their love show or whatever. And then at the end, not back at the end, but they made it back to the capital. The capital. Oh, I miss saying that. The capital. And they're like, oh, uh, we're gonna get married. Like, Peter proposes. She's like, oh my gosh, yes. And then, um, you know, and then the, she's like, the president comes up to her and like gives her a hug. And I'm like, did I do it? Did I make it? And he's like, nope. And she's like, dang, whatever. Okay, we're all gonna escape. I'm gonna run for the hills. So that was a plan. And now I think they're at a banquet. They're at a banquet. I don't know, they're not. They're going to a banquet. I read it a little ahead. Okay. They're going to the but they're like they're finishing the they're finishing the interview with Caesar Flickerman and they're going to banquet. So yeah, that's the long and short of it. So again, page seventy six. We're gonna continue our ramble like it gets seven minutes. Oh my gosh. Alright. Let's see if my reading skills have improved over the whole summer of reading a whole book. 
Oh, no, no. Let's see. <clears throat> Caesar Clickerman asks if the president has a date in mind. Oh, we before we set a date, we better clear it with Katniss's mother, says the president. The audience gives a big laugh, and the president puts his arm around me. Maybe if the whole country puts its mind to it, we can get you married before you're 30. You'll probably have to pass a new law, I say, with a giggle. That's what it takes, says the president, with conspir- conspirator- conspir- consp- conspiratorial good humor. Oh, the fun we two have together. The party held in the banquet room of President Snow's mansion has no equal. The 40-foot ceiling has been transformed into the night sky and the stars look exactly as they do at home. I suppose it was the same from the Capitol, but who would know? There's always so much light from the city to see the stars here. About halfway between the floor and the ceiling, musicians float on what looks like fluffy white clouds, but I can't see what holds them afloat. Traditional dining tables have been replaced by innumerable, innumerable stuffed sofas and chairs, some surrounding fireplaces, others beside fragrant flower gardens or ponds filled with exotic fish so that people can eat and drink and do whatever they please in the utmost comfort. There's a large tiled area in the center of the room that serves as everything as a dance floor to a stage for the performers to come and go to other spots mingled with the flamboyantly dressed guests. But the real star of the evening is the food. Tables laden with delish, uh, delicacies line the wall. Everything you can think of and things you've never dreamt of lying wait. Whole roasted pigs and cows and goats. Jeez. That didn't get enough of the pigs from last time. But like she shot the anyway, I'll keep going. Still turn on spits. You know, spits is kind of a funny word. I always think of like, you know, ha pooey, you know, like spits, but spits is like the big stick over fire that like you keep roasting it over and over. Like wouldn't it be better if you call it like a splint or something like that? Or like not a split. Um like, you know, like a spit just it sounds kinda of gross, I'm not gonna lie. It, uh, I feel like for like a big stick, maybe like a twig skewer, or a branch skewer, or a portable barbecue. They have barbecues here. It's because it's like a, it's a, it's a, uh, what's it called? A dystopian. So they used to have barbecues. Or no, they probably still do have barbecues. They're, why are they using a spit then if they have a barbecue? Wouldn't it be better to use like a slow cooker or something like that? Like a big, big slow cooker. And then put that pork on, and then like put it there. Like, wouldn't it be better? You know, the oh, like the rotisserie chicken places, like in Costco. Oh my gosh! Like, I think if they they should have had that instead. If they're in the Capitol, they should have like the big like rotisserie chicken places, uh, chicken uh rotisserie things, but like with pigs and goats and cats. I feel like that'd be more impressive to see like huge animals just being rotated like it's nothing on like this big machine. You know? And then like it's either you could like put your hand and like touch it and like take it out. A spit seems kind of barbaric if you think about it. Anyway, let's continue. Uh, goats still turning on spits. Huge platters of fowl stuffed with savory fruits and nuts. Ocean creatures drizzled in sauces or begging to be dipped in spicy concoctions. Countless cheeses, breads, vegetables, sweets, waterfalls, wines, and streams of spirits that flicker flame or with flame. My appetite has returned with my desire to fight back. After weeks of feeling too worried to eat, I'm famished. I want to taste everything in the room, I tell Peta. I can see him trying to read my expression to figure out my transformation. Since he doesn't know that President Snowden said failed, he can only assume that I think we have succeeded. Perhaps even that I have some genuine happiness in our engagement. The eyes reflect this puzzlement, but only briefly because we're on camera. Then you uh, better pace yourself, he says. Oh, no more than one bite of each dish, I say. My resolve is almost immediately broken at the first table, which has 20 or so soups. And I encounter a creamy pumpkin brew. Brew? <laughs> brew? Okay. Sprinkled with silver nuts and tiny black seeds. I can just eat this all night, I exclaim, but I don't. I weaken again the clear green broth, and I can only describe as tasting springtime, and again, when I try a frothy pink soup dotted with raspberries. 
Faces appear, names are exchanged, pictures taken, kisses brushed on cheeks. Apparently, when Mockingjay Pin has spawned a new fashion sensation, because several people come up to show me their accessories. My bird has been replicated on belt buckles, embroidered into silk lapels, even tattooed on intimate places. Everyone wants to wear the winner's token. I can only imagine how nuts that makes President Snow. What can you do? The games were such a hit here, where the berries were only a simple desperate, a desperate girl trying to save her lover. Pete and I made no effort to find company, but are constantly sought out. We are what no one wants to miss the party. I act delighted, but I have zero interest in the Capital people. They are only distractions from the food. Every table, actually, Katniss is a girl after my own heart. She said, stop talking to me, please. Stop talking to me. I'm going to go eat some food. Um, I wonder, I wonder what, like, what other, what desserts they have. Cause I hope they have like tiramisu, like tuxedo cake, you know, vanilla, you know, uh, red velvet. Oh my gosh, like a carrot cheesecake. Oh no, no, sorry. A, uh, carrot, um, uh, cream cheesecake. Yeah. Carrot cake with cream cheese icing on it. I think that's what I'm trying to say. That, that's really good. Or even better, a pumpkin cake with cream cheese icing on it. So Good. Mark my words. I made it in foods class one time. It was the best thing ever. My mom used a recipe for years. We lost it. I don't know where it is now. But if I ever find that recipe again, it's up. I'm so going to make it. It was super tasty. Anyway, uh, well, let's keep going. <clears throat> uh, every tale presents new temptation than even on my restricted one case per dish resume. I began filling up quickly. I pick up a small roasted bird, bite into it, and my tongue flows with orange juice. Ew! Oh, orange sauce. <laughs> um, I lost my... No, I found it. Delicious. But I make pita eat the remainder because I want to keep tasting things and the idea of throwing away food as I see so many people doing so casually is a... is a borat. A hor... a borat? A hornet? <laughs> a hornet? A hornet? A hornet? To me. Uh, about after ten tables, I'm stuffed and the only sample a small number of dishes available. Just when my prep team descends on us, they nearly incohere between the alcohol they've consumed and their ecstasy at being such a grand affair. What do you, why aren't you eating us, Octavia? I haven't, but I can't hold another bite, I say. They all laugh at this, this is the silliest thing they've ever heard. No one lets that stop them, says Flavius. He leads them over the table that holds tiny stained wine glasses filled with clear liquid. Drink this. Peter picks one up and takes a sip, and they lose it. Not here, treats Octavia. You have to do it in there. Vina points to the doors that lead to the toilet. I also get it all over the floor. Peter looks at the glass again and puts it together. You mean this makes us puke? Ew! Ew, ew, ew. That was me. That wasn't, that wasn't in the dialect, but that was me. Why would you puke? Just wait to digest. Well, maybe it's because I have fast metabolism, but like, I literally will eat something and I'd be really full for like half an hour and I come back back and I'm like, hey, I'm ready for round two. Like, but I didn't just eat. I'm like, yeah, but I'm hungry again. You know, that fast metabolism right there. My prep team laughs hysterically. Of course, so you can keep eating after Octavia. I've been there twice. Hey, calm down now. Calm down, Octavia. Calm down. Now. That's too. That's two times too many. Everybody does it. Or how else would you have so much fun at feasts? I'm speechless, staring at the pretty little glasses and all they imply. Peter sets his back on the table with such precision you'd think it might detonate. Come on, Katniss, let's dance. Music filters down from the clouds as he leads me away from the team and the table and out to the floor. We know only a few dances at home, the kind that go with fiddle and flute music and require a good deal of space. But Effie has shown us some that are popular in the Capitol. Music's slow and dreamlike, so Peter pulls me into his arms and we move in a circle with practically no steps at all. You could do this dance on a pie plate. We're quiet for a while, so then Peter speaks in a strained voice. You go along thinking you can deal with it, thinking maybe they're not so bad, and then you... 
He cuts himself off. All I can think of is the emancipated bodies of the children in our kitchen table. Our mother's my mother prescribed when her parents can't give uh oop uh uh it was the parents can't give more food. Now that we're rich, she'll send some home with them. But often in the old days with nothing to give and the children was past saving anywhere. Here in the capital they're vomiting for the pleasure of feeling their bellies again and again. Not from some illness or body of mine, not from soiled food. That's what everyone did at the party expected, part of the fun. One day, when I stopped by to give Hazeli the game, Vic was homesick with a bad cough. Part of being Gail's family, the kid had to eat better than 90% of the rest of District 12. But he still spent about 15 minutes talking about how they'd opened a can of corn syrup from Parcel Day and eaten and each had a spoonful on bread. And we're going to maybe have more later in the week. How Hazeli had said that he could have a bit of a cup of tea to soothe his cough, but he wouldn't feel right unless the others had some too. It's if it's 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 like it <laughs> Gales, but like at other houses. PETA, they bring us here to fight to the death for their entertainment, I say. Really, this is nothing by comparison. I know, I know that. It's just sometimes I can't stand it anymore, to the point where I'm not sure what I'll do. He pauses and whispers. Maybe we were wrong, Katniss. About what, I ask. About trying to subdue things in the districts, he says. My head turns swiftly to the side, but no one seems to have heard. The camera's crew got sidetracked at the table of shellfish. The couple dancing around us are either too drunk or too self-involved to notice. Sorry, he says. He should be. It's no place to voice in such thoughts. Save it for home, I tell him. You tell you tell him, girl. Save it for home, Peter. Don't you know we don't, that's not outside talk. That's in the house talk. That's in the house talk because you know we, we hope that the president don't got ears in there. But you know he got ears everywhere. Ooh. Just then, Portia appeared with a large man who looked vaguely familiar. She introduced him as as Pert Pultruck Heavensby. The new head game maker. Plutarch? 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 I can't. You know, he's gonna be called Plum. Plum, because I can't pronounce it. <laughs> Plum Sauce, there we go. Plum Sauce asked Peter if he could steal me for a dance. Peter's recovered his camera face and good naturally passed me over, warning the man not to get too attached. I don't want to dance with Plum Sauce, heaven be. I don't want to feel his hands, one resting on mine, one on my hip. I'm not used to being touched, except by PETA or my family. And I rank Game Maker somewhere between Megas in terms of creatures I want in contact with my skin. But he seems to sense this and hold me almost at arm's length as we turn on the floor. We chit-chat about the party, about the entertainment, about the food, and he makes jokes about avoiding punches since training. I don't get it. Then I realize he is the man who tripped backwards into the punch bowl when I shot an arrow at the Game Makers during their training session. Well, not really. I was shooting an apple out of their roast pig's mouth, but I made them jump. Oh, you're the one. I laugh, remembering him splashing back in the punch bowl. Yes, and you'll be pleased to know I'll never recover. I've never recovered, says Plum Sauce. I want to point out the 22 dead tribute. <laughs> Katniss, it's not about you. It's giving, like, you know, have any of you seen the Avatar the Last Airbender? It's giving, like, when Katara's always like, I had a mom. She's, like, talking about her mom all the time, like, every time for every plot point. That's what it's giving. But I guess it's valid, you know, because he is the game maker and, you know, he kind of controls the fate of all those tributes. Anyway, you know, maybe she's she valid for it. So I, I take that back. <laughs> take it back, Katniss. You're valid. You're valid, girl. But I only say, good, see the head game maker this year? That must be a big honor. Between you and me, there weren't many takers for the job, he said. So much responsibility as to how the games turn out. Yeah, and the last guy's dead, I think. He must know about Seneca Crane, but he doesn't look the least bit concerned. Are you playing the quarter quell games already, I say? Oh, yes. Well, they've been the work for years, of course. Arenas aren't built in a day, but the, shall we say, flavor of the game has been determined now. Leave it or not, our strategy meeting tonight, he says. 
Plumsaw steps back and pulls out a gold watch on a chain from the vest pocket. Clips open the lid and sees the time and prowls. I have to be going soon. He turns to watch so I can see the face. Starts at midnight. That seems late for, I say, but then something distracts me. Plumsaw has run his thumb across the crystal face of the watch. Just for a moment, an image appears, glowing as if lit by candlelight. Another mockingjay, exactly the pin of my dress. Only this one disappears. He snaps the watch closed. That's very pretty, I say. Oh, it's more than pretty. It's one of a kind, he says. Anyone ask me about it? I say I've gone to bed. The meeting was supposed to be kept secret, but I thought I'd, keep it, I'd be safe to tell you. Yes, your secret's safe with me, I say. As you shake hands, he gives a small bow, a common gesture here in the Capitol. Well, I'll see you next summer at the games, Katniss. Best wishes on your engagement. Good luck with your mother. I'll need it, I say. Plumsauce disappears and I wander through the crowd looking for Peta. A stranger to congratulate me. On my engagement, on my victory at the games, on my choice of lipstick, I respond, but really I'm thinking about Plumsauce showing off that pretty one-of-a-kind watch to me. There's something strange about it. Almost clinescent. But why? Maybe you think someone else will steal the idea of putting a disappearing Malcolm J on a watch face? Yes. Probably paid a fortune for it and now he can't wait to show it off to anyone because he's afraid they might make a cheap knockoff version. Only in the Capitol. Find Peter admiring a table of elaborately decorated cakes. Bakers have come from the kitchen especially to talk frosting with him. <laughs> that sounds like talking smack, but it's like talking frosting. So it's like a baking equivalent to like, hey, your cake looks so um underbaked that I could have added 10 more eggs and you wouldn't even notice. You know, that kind of, I don't, I don't know. You know, like baking trash talk, you know? Like that cake is so burnt, I could make uh, a char out of that, you know? I don't know. Shout out to my bakers out there. <laughs> anyway. And you can see them tripping over another to answer his question. At his request, they assemble an assortment of little cakes for him to take back District 12, where he can examine their work in quiet. Abby said we have to be on the train at 1. I wonder what time it is, he says, glancing around. Almost midnight, I reply. I pluck a chocolate flower from a cake with my finger and nibble on it, so beyond worrying about matters. Time to say thank you. Farewell, trills Effie in my elbow. One of those moments when I just love her, your, her compulsive punctuality. We collect Cinnabon and Portia, and she escorts us around to say goodbye and to important people and leads us to the door. Didn't we think President Snow asked Peta? It's his house. Oh, he's on a big one for parties. Too busy, says Effie. I've already arranged for necessary notes and gifts to be sent to him tomorrow. There you are. Effie gives a little wave to two capital attendants who have, have it inbraided Inbraided? Inbritated? Inbriated? Inbriated? Gosh. Inbriated Hamish cropped between them. We travel through the streets of the Capitol to a car with darkened windows. Behind us, another car brings the prep team. The throngs of people celebrating are so thick it's going, it's slow going. But Effie has us all down to science, and exactly one o'clock we are back on the train and it's pulling out of the station. Hamish is disposited. Oh, Hamish is deposited in his room. Cinnabon orders tea, and we all take seats around the table while Effie rattles her scheduled papers and reminds us that we're still on the tour. There's the hardest festival in District 12 to think about, so I suggest we drink our tea and head straight to bed. No one argues. When I open my eyes, it's early afternoon. My head rests on Peter's arm. I don't remember him coming to my, uh, coming in last night. I turn, very careful not to disturb him, but he's already awake. No nightmares, you say? What? I ask. You don't. You didn't have any nightmares last night, he says. He's right. For the first time in ages, I've slept through the night. I had a dream, though, I say, thinking back. I was following a mockingjay through the woods for a long time. It was rude, really. I mean, that's what it's saying. It had her voice. Where did she take you? He says, brushing my hair off my forehead. I don't know. You never arrived, I say. But I felt happy. Well, you slept like you were happy, he says. Peta, how come I never know what you're, when you're having a nightmare, I say. 
I don't know. I don't think I cry out or thrash around or anything. I just come to. Tell us with care, he says. You should wake me, I say, thinking about how I can interrupt his sleep two or three times a night on a bad night, about how long it could take to calm me down. Not necessary. My nightmares are usually about losing you, he says. I'm okay once I realize you're here. Ugh. That was that was in the book, by the way. Ugh. Peter makes makes comments like this, like, uh, Peter makes comments like this in a, such an offhanded way, and it's like being hit in the gut. He's only answering my questions, honestly. He's not pressing me to reply to any kind or making a declaration of love, but I still feel awful as if I've been using him in some terrible way. You have. Newsflash, you have. You and Hamish were playing with his heart, playing with that poor boy's heart. Let's see again. Are they like 17 now? Because they were 16 in the beginning. I guess it's been a year almost. So they're probably turning 17. And so, yeah, you've been playing with this poor 17-year-old heart. He's a teenager, Katniss. So are you, but he's also a teenager. Let him live. The poor guy live. Ugh. Um, let's keep going. Um, haven't I? Ooh, I don't know. I only know that for the first time, I feel immoral about him being in my bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is ironic since we're officially engaged now. Be worse than when we're home and I'm sleeping alone again, he says. That's right, we're almost home. Agenda for District 12 includes a dinner at Mayor Undersea's house tonight and a victory rally in the square. Um, we always celebrate the Heart Festival on the final day of the victory tour, but it usually means a meal at home or with a few friends if you can afford it. This year it'll be a public affair. Since the Capitol will be throwing it, everybody in the whole district will have full bellies. Most of our prepping will take place at the mayor's house since we're back to being covered in furs for outdoor appearances. We're only at the train station briefly to smile and look at people as we pile into our car. We don't even get to see our families until the dinner tonight. I'm glad it will be at the mayor's house instead of the justice building where the memorial for my father was held. It took me after the reaping for those wretched goodbyes to my family. Justice building is too full of sadness. But I like Mayor Undersea's house, especially now that his daughter, Mage, and I are friends. We always were, in a way. It became official when she came to say goodbye to me uh, before I left for the games. When she gave me the Mockingjay pin for luck. After I got home, we started spending time together. Turns out Mage had plenty of empty hours to fill, too. It was a little awkward at first because we didn't know what to do. But other girls our age, I've heard them talking about boys or other girls or clothes. Mage and I aren't gossipy and clothes bore me to tears. But after a few false starts, I realized she was dying to get into the woods. So I've been taking her a couple of times and showed her how to shoot. She's trying to teach me the piano, but mostly I like to listen to her play. Sometimes we eat at each other's houses. Maze like mine's better. Her parents seem nice, but I don't think she sees a whole lot of them. Her father has District 12 to run, and her mother gets fierce headaches that force her to stay in bed for days. Maybe you should take her to the Capitol, I say, during one of them. We weren't playing the piano that day, because uh, even two floors away, the sound caused her mother's pain. They can fix her up, I bet. Yes, but you don't go to Capitol unless they invite you, says Maiden happily. Even the mayor's privileges are limited. When we reach the mayor's house, I only have time to give Mage a quick hug before hug before Evie, hus- Evie, Evie hustles me off to the third floor to get ready. After I'm prepped and dressed in a full-length silver gown, I've still got an hour to kill before dinner. I set off to go find her. Mage's bedroom is on the second floor along with several guest rooms and her father's study. I stick my head in the study to say hello to the mayor, but it's empty. Television is joining on. I stopped to watch shots of Peta and me at the Capitol party last night. Dancing, eating, kissing, and sleep playing in every household in Panam right now. The audience must be sick to death of the star-crossed lovers from District 12. I know I am. Leaving the room on a beeping noise catches my attention. I turn back to see the screen of the television go dark. 
and the words update on District 8 start flashing. Instinctively, I know this is not for my eyes, but somehow intended only for the mayor. I should go. Quickly, instead I find myself uh, stepping closer to the TV. An announcer I've never seen before appears. The woman with graying hair and a hoarse, authoritative voice. She warns that conditions are worsening and a level 3 alert has been called. Additional forces being sent to District 8 and all textile production has ceased. They cut away from the woman to the main square of District 8. I recognize it because I was there only last week. There are still banners with my face waving in the rooftop. Below them, there's a mob scene. The square is packed with screaming people and their faces hidden with rags and homemade masks, throwing bricks, buildings burning, peacekeepers shooting at the crowd, killing at random. Never seen anything like it, but I can only be witnessing one thing. This is what President Snow calls an uprising. No, he calls this a headache. <laughs> Get it? Because Okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, that was the end of chapter six. Yikes. We got we got a lot of trucking to do. Chapter six. Been a little under half an hour. Well I guess it's exactly half an hour if you think about it. Once I stop talk or once I keep talking for another five, four, three, two, one, one, one. There we go. It's been uh a half an hour. So we could like I said, a little like welcome back to listen to the podcast again. I'm gonna go an extra fifteen minutes. The retire starting chapter seven with uh page ninety-eight, regular print edition. So let's keep the ball rolling. All right. All right, so <clears throat> I'll be in. A leather bag filled with food and a flask of hot tea. A pair of fur-lined gloves that Cinnabon left behind. Three twigs broken from the naked trees lying in the snow pointed in the direction I will travel. This is what I leave for Gale at our usual meeting place on the first Sunday after the Harvest Festival. I have continued on through the cold, misty woods, breaking a path that will be unfamiliar to Gale, but is simple for my feet to find. It leads to the lake. I no longer trust our regular rendezvous point up uh, offers privacy. And I need that and more to smell my guts to Gale today. But will he even come? If he doesn't, I have no choice but to risk going to his house in the dead of night. There are things he has to know. Things I need him, need him to help me figure out. Once the implications of what I was seeing on Mayor Undersea's TV hit me, maybe the doorman started down the hall just in time, too. When the mayor came up the steps a moment later. I gave him away. Looking for Mage, he says in a friendly voice. Yes, I want to show her my dress, I say. Well, you know where, sh- where to find her. Just then, another round of beeping came from the study. His face turned gray. Excuse me, he said. He went to study and closed the door tightly. Waited in the hall until I composed myself. Remind myself I must act naturally. Then I found Mage in her room, sitting on the dressing table, brushing out her wavy blonde hair before a mirror. She was in the same pretty white dress she wore on Reaping Day. Saw my reflection behind her and smiled. Look at you! You uh, like you just came off the streets with the Capitol. I stepped in the cl- in closer. My fingers touched the Mockingjay pin. Even my pin now. Mockingjays are all arrayed in the Capitol, thanks to you. Are you sure you don't want it back, I asked? Don't be silly. It was a gift, gift says Mage. She tied back her hair in a festive gold ribbon. Where did you get it anyway, I asked. It was my aunt's, she said, but I think it's been in the family a long time. Plenty choice, a Mockingjay, I say. I mean, because of what happened in the rebellion. The Jabberjays firing back on the Capitol and all. Jabberjays were muta- mutations, genetically uh, enhanced male bird created by the Capitol weapons to spy on rebe- rebels in the districts. They could remember and repeat long passages of human speech as they were sent into rebel areas to capture our work. I turned them to the Capitol. The rebels caught on and turned them against the Capitol by sending them home loaded with lives. 
When this was discovered, the Jabberjays were left to die. In a few years, they became extinct in the wild, not before they mated with female mockingbirds, creating entirely new... The mockingjays were never a weapon, says Mage. They're just songbirds, right? Yeah, I guess so, I say. But uh, it's not true. A mockingbird is just a songbird. A mockingbird, a mockingjay is a creature that the captain never intended to exist. They hadn't counted on the highly controlled Jabberjay having their brains to adapt to the wild, to pass on its genetic code, to thrive in a new form. They hadn't expected its will to live. Now they trudge through the snow, I see the mockingjay hopping on a branch as they pick up another bird's melody, replicate them, and then transfer them to something new. But always, they remind me of Rue. I think of a dream I had last night on the train, where I followed her in the Mockingjay form. I wish I could have stayed asleep a little longer and found out where she was trying to take me. It's a hike to the lake, no question. If he decides to follow me at all, Gail's going to be put out by this excessive use of energy that could be spent, better spent hunting. He was conspicuously absent from dinner at the mayor's house, although the rest of the family came. Zelie said he was homesick, which was an obvious lie. I couldn't find him at the Harvest Festival either. Vic told me he was out hunting. That was probably true. After a couple of hours, I reached an old house near the edge of the lake. Maybe house is too big a word for it. It's the only one room, about 12 feet square. 12 feet square? Do they mean, does she mean like 12 feet? Wait, like each, like each side is 12 feet? Or it's like 12 feet square, which means like it's 3 by 4, right? Now I'm confused. If it's 3 by 4, that's really small. No, no way they all fit in a 3 by 4 house. Like 3 by 4 feet? I think it's gotta be like 12 by 12. So it's gotta be like a 140 feet house, you know? 12 square. Hmm. You know, I think I'm thinking, I'm thinking I'm looking way too into this, but 12 square, you know? Okay, I, th- I think it's like 12 by 12, not 3 by 14. I mean, 3 by 4. That just seems way too small. My father thought that a long time ago there was a lot of buildings. You could still see some of the foundations and people came to them to play and fish in the lake. This house outlasted others because it's made of concrete. Floor, roof, ceiling. Only one of four glass windows remains, wavy and yellow by time. There's no plumbing, no electricity, but the fire people still works, and there's a wood pile in the corner that my father and I collected years ago. I thought a small fire, counting on the mist to obscure any telltale smoke. While the fire catches, I sweep up the snow that's accumulated under the empty windows, using a twig broom my father made when I was about eight and played around, played house here. Then I sit on the tiny concrete hearth, thawing out from the fire, waiting for Gale. Surprising short time before he appears. A bell swung over his shoulder, a dead wild turkey he must have encountered along the way hanging from his belt. He stands in the doorway as if considering whether or not to enter. He holds the unopened leather bag of food, the flask, Cinnabon's gloves, gifts he will not accept because of his anger at me. I know exactly how he feels. Didn't I do the same thing to my mother? I looked at his eyes. His temper can't quite mask the hurt. The sense of betrayal he feels at my gave to Peta. This will be my last chance, this being today, not to lose Gale forever. I could take hours trying to explain and even have them have, even to have him refuse me. Then I go straight to the heart of my defense. President Snow personally threatened to have you, have you killed, I say. Well, she really doesn't pull any punches. That's as blunt as you can get. She's like, it was either your life or my social life, you know? Like, I, I have to choose one, Gale. You know who I chose? My, so, I, you, you, you can, you can tell what I chose. Anyway, that's probably what that's probably what she was thinking. <clears throat> Gail raises his eyebrows slightly, but there's no real show of fear or astonishment. Anyone else? Well, he didn't actually give me a copy of the list, but it's a good a guess. Good guess it includes both our families. I say it's enough to bring him to the fire. He crouches before the hearth and warms him up. Unless what? Unless nothing. Now I say. Obviously, this requires more of an explanation, but I have no idea where to start. So I just sit there, staring gloomily at the fire. 
After about a minute of this, Gala breaks off the silence. Well, thanks for the heads up. Turn to him, ready to snap, but I catch the glint in his eyes. I hate myself for smiling. This is not a funny situation, but I guess it's luck to drop on someone. We're all going to be obliterated no matter what. I do have a plan, you know. Yeah, I bet it's a stunner, he says. He tosses the gloves on my lap. Here, I don't want your fiancé's old gloves. Not my fiancé. That's just part of the act, and not his gloves. They were Cinnabons, I say. Give them back, then, he says. Pull on the gloves. He pulls on the gloves, flexing his fingers and nods in approval. Oh, give them back, then. My bad. At least I'll die in comfort. That's optimistic. Of course, you don't know what happened, I say. Let's have it, he says. Aside to begin with the night Pete and I were crowned victims of the Hunger Games, and Hamish warned me of the capital's fury. Tell him about the uneasiness that dodged, that dodged me even once I was back home. President Snow visited my house and the murders in District 11. The tension in the crowd, the last-ditch effort of the engagement, President's indication that it hadn't been enough, my certainty that I'll have to pay. Gail never interrupts while I talk. He tucks the gloves in his pocket and occupies himself with turning the food in Leather Bay into a meal for us. Toasting bread and cheese, corning apples, and placing chestnuts to the fire to roast. I watched his hands, his beautiful, capable fingers, scarred as mine were before the Capitol erased all the marks of my skin, but strong and deft. Hands that have the power to mine coal, but the precision to set a delicate snare. Hands I trust. I pause to think of a drink. I pause to take a drink of tea from the flask before I tell him about my homecoming. Well, you really made a mess of things, he says. I'm not even done, I tell him. I've heard enough for a moment. Let's skip ahead to the plan of yours, he says. Take a deep breath. <laughs> we run away. What? He says. That's actually caught him off guard. We take to the woods and make a run for it, I say. His face is impossible to read. Will he laugh at me? Dismiss this of the foolishness? I rise my, I rise in ign- ag- ag- agitation. Ag- agitation, preparing for an argument. He said yourself, uh, you thought that we could do it. That morning in the reaping, you said, he steps in and I feel myself lifted off the ground. The moon, the room spins and I have to walk my arms around Gail's neck to brace myself. He's laughing happy. Hey, I protest, but he's laughing too. Gail sets me down, but doesn't release his hold on me. Okay, let's run away, he says. Really? You don't think it's mad? You, you'll go with me? Some of the crushing weight begins to lift and is transferred to Gail's shoulder. I do. I do think you're mad and I'll still go with you, he says. He means it. Not only means it, but he welcomes it. We can do it. I know we can. Let's get out of here and never look back. You're sure, I say? Because it's going to be hard with the kids and all. I don't want to get five miles in the woods and have you. I'm sure I'm completely, entirely, 100% sure. He tilts his head, his forehead down to rest against mine and pulls me in closer. His skin, his whole being radiates heat from being so near the fire. I close my eyes, soaking in his warmth. I breathe in the smell of snow dampened leather and smoking apples. Smell of all those wintry days we shared before the games. I don't try to move away. Why should I, anyway? His voice drops to whisper. Ew. Oh, I don't think you heard that. Hold on. I love you. That's that's what he said. That's why. I never see these things coming. They happen too fast. One second you're proposing an escape plan, and the next you're expected to deal with something like this. I come up with what must be the worst possible response. I know. She did well, Katniss. She said, I got Peta in my pocket. I got Gil in my pocket. Two guys in my pocket. Could choose anybody. I think I'm still... Team Peta, because what has Gail done? You know, Gail's been moping around, crying. He's like, ugh, Katniss, Katniss, why? Why did you survive with another guy? Ugh, Katniss, Katniss, why? You know, that's what he's been doing the whole time. But Peta's kind of like, I love you, girl. I never gonna stop loving you, girl. Like, you're the best thing for me, girl, you know? Always kind of like her hype man. Always, like, in her corner. 
Gail's like, on my time, I'll do it. On your time, you do it. We do our own thing. We separate, you know? Anyway, we have... How many pages have left the chapter? Too many to finish today. So I'll do, like, two more pages, and then we'll stop for today. Maybe, like, one more. I'll do one more. Um, I'm. It sounds terrible. Like, I assume he couldn't help loving me, but I don't feel anything in return. But that, I don't feel anything in return. Gail starts to draw away, but I grab a hold of him. I know, and you, you know what you are to me. It's not enough. He breaks his grip. Gail, I can't think about anyone that way right now. All I can think about every day, every waking minute since they drew Prim's name with the reaping, how afraid I am, and there doesn't seem to be room for anything else. If we could get somewhere safe, maybe I could be different. I don't know. I can see him swallowing his disappointment. So we'll go. We'll find out. He turns back to the fire, where the chestnuts are beginning to burn, clips them onto the hearth. The mother's going to take some convincing. Guess he's still going anyway, but this happiness has left leaving an all-too-familiar strain in his place. Mine, too. Has to make her see reason. Take her from the long walk. Make sure she understands she won't survive the alternative. She'll understand. I've watched a lot of the games with her and Prim. She won't say no to you, says Gail. I hope not. Temperature in the house seems to have dropped 20 degrees in a matter of seconds. Hamish will be a real challenge. Hamish? Gail abandons the chestnuts. You're not asking him to come with us. I have to, Gail. I can't leave him and Peter because they did Oh, because they'd... He cuts me off. What? I'm sorry, I didn't realize how large our party was, he snaps at me. They'll, they'll be tortured to death, uh, trying to find out where I was, I say. What about Pia's family? They'll never come. In fact, they probably couldn't wait to inform us, which I'm sure he's smart enough to realize. What if he decided to stay? He asks. Try to sound different, but my voice cracks. Then he stays! I try, I try to make my voice crack, too. It didn't really work. You leave him behind, Gail asks, to save pray my mother? Yes, I answer. I mean, no, I'll get him to come. And me, would you leave me? Gail's expression is rock hard now. Just if, for instance, I can't convince my mother to drag three young kids to the wilderness into winter. Zelly won't refuse. She'll see sense, I say. Suppose she doesn't, Katniss. Then what? He demands. Then you have to force her, Gail. Do you think I'm making this stuff up? My voice is rising in anger as well. No, I don't know. Maybe the president's just manipulated you. I mean, he's throwing your wedding. You saw how the Capitol reacted. I don't think he can afford to kill you, Peta. How is he going to get out of that one? Says Gail. Well, with an uprising in District 8, I doubt he'll spend much time choosing my wedding cake, I shout. The instant those words are out of my mouth, I want to reclaim them. The effect on Gail is immediate. The flush on his cheeks, the brightness in his gray eyes. There's an uprising in 8, he says in a hushed voice. Try to backpedal, to defuse him, to try to defuse his district. I don't know if it's really an uprising. There's unrest, people in the streets, I say. Grab, uh, grab Gail. Gail grabs my shoulders. What did you see? Nothing. In person. I just heard something. As usual, too little, too late. I gave up and tell him. Saw something on the mayor's television. I wasn't supposed to. There was a crowd and fires and the peacekeepers were, were gunning people down and they were fighting back. I bite my lip and struggle to continue describing the scene. Instead, I sail out the words that have been eating me up inside. And it's my fault, Gail. Because of what I did in the arena. If I just killed myself with those berries, none of this would have happened. Peter could have gone home and lived and everyone would have been safe too. Safe to do what? He says in a gentler tone. Starve. Work like slaves. And their children's the raping. You haven't hurt people. You give them an opportunity. They just have to be brave to take it. There already been talk. Hold on. I'll finish this last thing. In the mind, people who want to fight. Don't you see? It's happening. Finally happening. It's an uprising in District 8. Why not here? Why not everywhere? This could be the thing that we've been stopped. You don't get what you're saying. Peacekeepers outside 12. They're not like Darius or Cray. They live... The lives of district people, they mean less to nothing to them, I say. 
That's why we have to join the fight, he answers harshly. No, we have to leave us here before they kill us and a lot of others, too. I'm yelling again, but I can't understand why he's doing this. Why does he have to see what's so undeniable? Or why can't? Why doesn't he see what's so undeniable? Okay, we're going to stop here. I believe we are on page 100. Page 100. The font looked like 188. I'm like, no chance I read, like, almost 100 pages today. Anyway, we are really great. Oh, we're back. We're back, people. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, I don't want to edit this, but I will. <laughs> I'll go through so you don't hear too much of my breath. But, you know, we're back. I'm super excited to be back. You know, it's not going to be daily. That's not possible. Weekly, I think I can work into. But don't take my word for it. Um, I think we can, I think we can do, uh, weekly. Weekly, I think works for us. For us, for me. Uh, who am I even talking about? Us, the us today is me and my stuffy because I'm in my room. I have my stuffy. It's a penguin. His name is Pingu. I, I mean, you know, for copper reason, it's Penigu. Pen, pen, Penigu. Yeah. Penigu for copyright reasons. But anyway, yeah. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed. I will listen to the audio after and try to get rid of all my, <laughs> you know, all my breaths and everything. Probably won't get rid of all of them because some of them are just too tight together. But yeah, thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you again in the next one. Peace out. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, email me at morebookquestions at gmail.com. So see you next time. Bye.